0: makes me feel like i'm a part of something bigger my favorite business show hands down
1: the best b2b sales and marketing podcast
0: the ultimate resource for salespeople.
1: george makes me want to conquer local an
0: authentic entertainer
1: conquer local with vendasta here's george leaf welcome to another edition of the conquer local podcast and today We are bringing you probably one of the most storied sales trainers and sales experts of all time. He's been ranked one of the top five sales experts in the world and also ranked at the 50 best salespeople of all time in a list that includes Gates and Jobs. He's increased market share for brands by 36%, resulting in over $360 million in new business. Jerry Acuff. The CEO and founder at Delta Point, one of those top sales experts that we aspire to bring on the broadcast, is coming up next here on the Conquer Local Podcast. Mm-hmm. Joining us today in studio for the Conquer Local Podcast. Jerry Acuff, CEO and founder at Delta Point. Jerry, I was in the intro, I was thinking I was going to steal your thunder and read out all of your accomplishments, but I like your accent better than mine. So would you mind kind of going through the list? Because it's a pretty impressive list of, uh, on your resume of all the work that you've done and the accomplishments in your career. So first off, congratulations on that and welcome to the podcast. And we'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience.
0: Well, thank you, George. It's an honor to uh, f- that you asked me to, to, to be on. You know, I don't know. I, I I started as a sales rep in the pharmaceutical business after getting a college degree from the Virginia Military Institute. Uh, candidly, I would never have hired me. Uh, but you know, some guy, he did hire me. And, you know, I didn't really want to be in sales because I had been in sales before and failed. Uh, but I wound up becoming a district manager and I had one of the top districts in the country seven out of eight years Then I went to the home office and I woke up as vice president and general manager of the pharmaceutical company, which was about a $550 million company. And then I left. And um, this is where, you know, I was telling you earlier there's no straight line to success. I had uh, several failures in the consulting business before I actually started Delta Point uh, 20 years ago. And uh, Delta Point has. One of the top strategic consulting companies in life sciences. We've done business with uh, 20 of the top 100 companies in the world. Uh, We've been in business for 20 years. We've been named strategic advisory firm of the year, I think, three or four times. I've been CEO of the year in Arizona three or four times. I don't believe any of it. I'm I'm rated the top 10 sales expert in the world. I'm not sure I am, but I put it on my website because I think it'd be stupid if I didn't. And then some idiot. Uh, and wrote an article that said I was one of the 50 greatest salespeople of all time and put me in the same list with Steve Jobs, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, and I'm saying, man, this guy's nuttier than a fruitcake. Because the next day I wrote a, a, a post and said, I know 50 people better than me. <laughs> but the, the bottom line is, you know, I've, I've been very lucky to be successful. I have learned from some of the greatest mentors in the world I have some of the greatest people working with me that have taught me so much my company would not have had our success if it weren't for my president Matt Murphy if it wasn't for Fran Robeson if it wasn't for all of the people that work there I'd be mediocre
1: well Jerry you know it's a, it is a privilege to have you on the show and one of the things when when you and I met uh previous to this episode that that I was telling you is you know I am unapologetically a salesperson. And I know that you feel the same way, um, in all the years that you've been selling it's, it almost seems to me when I hear your backstory that you're, you're a reluctant, um, you're almost a little reluctant as a salesperson out of the, out of the gate. Like you didn't really want to be here. When did it really become clear to you that, that sales was the thing that Jerry was meant to do?
0: Well, that's a very good question because, you know, like I said, I didn't want to be in sales. I mean, I got, um, I got rejected from graduate school at Northeast Louisiana University. And for some people, that's hard to do. And uh, I realized I was never going to be a college football coach, which was my dream. And so my college roommate had asked me if I wanted to be in the pharmaceutical business. And I said yes, only because I had no other options. I I was lucky, George, because I happened to go to work for a guy named Jim Crutchfield, who was as good a boss as anybody could ever had. And And he taught me this early on. He said, Jerry, look, you're a smart guy, you're a hard worker, just be yourself. He said, You just, if you're your authentic self, you'll be successful. And that was the best advice anybody could give me in a, when I was going into a role that I was afraid I couldn't be my authentic self, that I had to be some you know high-pressure, pushy salesperson. Uh and then, you know, the the real thing that, that happened to me was in 1981 when I got promoted to manager and I remember driving down the road in Birmingham, Alabama. And I remember having this conversation with myself. You now have to teach these people how to sell and you don't know how to do that. You can sell, but you don't know how to teach somebody how to sell. So I literally George, I went to Brookwood village mall. I bought a a sales book. I I had, by the way, from 1971 to 81, I read three books. I read Jaws, I read QB7 by Leon Uris in anticipation of moving to New Jersey. I read The Godfather. <laughs> and, and so that's it. And so, so I buy this book called Winning Strategies and Selling by Roger Stahlback and Jack and Gary Kender, and it changed my life in every way. Now, it's not a great book. My book's better. <laughs> uh, but he, he quoted Charlie Tremendous Jones in there, and he said this, and this changed my life. He said, chances are you'll be the same person five years from today that you are today with the exception of two things, the people you meet and the books you read. And the person who won't read is truly no better off than the person who can't read. And since that day, I've read over 600 business books. I've read one book 93 times. I've run four or five of them 12 times. Um, And I can tell you that what he said is so true. So much of what I've learned has been from books. But but Equally, if not more important than that, is the people that I have met. And in many cases, they were the people that worked for me. I mean, I learned customer centricity, God rest his soul, from Van Walker. I learned how to build relationships from John Fuquay. These were people that worked for me. I I learned the power of consistency from Bonita Crow, And so all of these things, all these people that worked for me. And so, but I think if I had anything, I always had an open mind because I think, Excellence is a choice. And I think that my old boss used to say, when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you're rotting. And so I, I'm a, I woke up this morning at 530, and first thing I do is practice my prosperity plan, which I learned from Weldon Long in his book, The Power of Consistency, which every human on the planet needs to read. Um, and then I read 25 minutes of uh, Daniel Pink's book, To Sell as Human. Um, so I, I just think the thing that happened to me was I really understood. And then Fred Herman really changed me again, because in, in, in like 84, I was listening to Fred Herman uh, on, a, on an audio tape series. And he said, if you, if you have a negative view of selling, you'll never be great. And he said, but if you have the right definition of selling, you can be great. And so he said, the definition of selling is this. Selling is teaching." In every successful sale, some education takes place. The customer learned something that they didn't know before. He said, now, if you think about that, the best teachers that you ever had were not people that lectured to you. They were were people that asked you questions. They got you involved. They made it fun. They made it interactive. And that's what really great salespeople do. The second thing he said is that selling is finding out what people want and helping them get it. He said, now, there's two things you need to know about that. Number one, most people don't know what they want but they think they do. And your job as a salesperson is to identify what is it they really do want that they really haven't thought of yet. And if by chance what they want, we don't have, we have no right to sell them what we do have. And so I found that very liberating. In fact, if anybody reads my book, Stop Acting Like a Seller, Start Thinking Like a Buyer, the very first chapter is what is selling. And and the point that I make is, if you if you have 50 salespeople in a room and you ask them all to write down a definition of selling, you'll get 50 different answers. And I'm saying, you know, selling is really one thing. It's actually these two things that that. Um, now, my friend Jeremy Miner says it a little bit differently And Jeremy Miner. If you've not had Jeremy on, you shit, He's phenomenal. He and I are writing a book together. And he's a fabulous sales expert. And I'm always trying to learn from other people who do the same thing I do. And Jeremy's one of the people that I so admire. And Jeremy says that your job as a salesperson is to find out if there is a sale to be made here or not. Right. If you go in with the right mindset that you're not, you don't know whether there's going to be a sale or not. You're, you're there to discover. You're there to help the other person discover. And so the, the thing I write about in my book, which I believe is the less you care about the sale, the more you sell.
1: Well, let's When we were meeting before we came in for this episode, I, I wanted to dig into this because this is something that it took me years to learn as well. Where I became an effective seller was where I got to the point where I could walk away and yeah. and really investigate if it was going to be a fit or not. And I think that, you know, the epiphany for me, and I'd love to hear from you where you where you captured this, was I was so sick of deals going sideways, but it was more I'm pretty good convincer. I'm yeah. I'm a pretty good manipulator. So I could manipulate the situation to get the deal closed, but I, I didn't build repeat business. And it was I was putting a square peg in a round hole. What when was it for you, Jerry, where you we realized that the real power came and the real confidence was there when you when you walked in and you said, I'm here to see if this is gonna work for me, let alone whether it's gonna work for you as the customer.
0: Well, I think what I did is I equated uh, the importance of trust <clears throat> to being successful in selling to that attribute. And so I believe that people buy from people, you know, Maxwell says all things being equal, people buy from people that they like, all things not being equal, people still buy from people they like. I don't think he's right. <clears throat> I think we buy from people that we like and people we trust. And so I think when you go in and you and you demonstrate that you have no bias then I think your credibility goes through the roof. I mean, you know, I can tell you, I tell people all the time, our our company's not for everybody. You know, I I tell you, I had a situation, you know, a while back where a company in Dallas called me, they had 15 salespeople they wanted me to come down there. They read my book. They thought I was, you know, the perfect fit for them. And I got to thinking about it and I said, you know, I'm not an inexpensive date, and uh, because, you know, my time is, 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 is fairly valuable. And, you know, and so I said, well, I got, that's three days. You know, I got to fly down there. I got to do the event. I got to come back the next day. You know, and I said, if I were them, I'd try and find somebody local. I mean, that's what, that's what went through my mind. Right. Thanks. So we had a follow-up call. Well, I happen to know a great sales trainer in Dallas. His name is Tim Wackel and I've known him for 20 years. He's as, he's as good as anybody you'll ever meet. <clears throat> so I called him on the phone. And I said, hey, are you available this date? Would you do this? And I'm assuming that it would be somewhat less than what I would charge. He said, yes. And I said, well, I'm going to connect you with these people if they want you. And so when when I got on the call and we were there to finalize the details, I told the guy, I said, look, are you open to another option? And he said, yeah, why? And I said, because I don't think I would hire me if I were you. I said, you're going to spend more money than you have to spend. You're not going to get dramatically better benefit. I mean, this guy that I'm suggesting hadn't written written a book, but he's as good a sales trainer as you'll ever meet. And he lives in Dallas. So you're not going to pay anybody's expenses. fee's going to be less, and you're going to get a quality, and I'm talking high-quality training session. So if you want his number, I'll give it to you. If you're dying to write me a check, then we can finalize the deal. It's up to you. And he said, well, give me his number. (laughs) Well, I didn't care. I mean, the reality is I think I did the right thing by the customer. Now, I, I've never heard from that, that, that prospect again. I probably never will. I know this, I did the right thing. I know that I lived up to what I believe selling is. If what they want, I don't have, I have no right to sell them what they do have. Now, if there'd have been if it, if they said it was 50 people or 60 or 70 people, you know, then it would have been a different issue. But 15 people? I just didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. So I I think you got to live those values. You got to walk away from um, opportunities. You got to because here's the other thing you got to remember: if you're in sales, I mean, if you're in sales, you don't have anything that's more important than your reputation. And so, you know, I think your reputation has got to be uh, exemplary. I mean, you've got to you've got to be doing things over and above what people are paying you for. Uh, you got to be a giver, not a taker. Uh, you you can't be greedy, and and all of those things build trust. You know, I I was doing a session for a thousand people in Las Vegas. I don't know seven or eight years ago, and I remember it was on questioning, and they wanted us to teach their people how to ask better questions. And so, I was thinking about it the night before, and I was looking on the internet and trying to find somebody who had written about the concept that the reason salespeople ask questions is to deepen their understanding of how the customer thinks and how they make decisions. That's the only reason to ask a question, right? And so I couldn't find anything, George, nothing. So I finally on the seventh Google page search, search page, I found an article from a technology guy and here's what he said. And it's one of the most powerful things I've learned in my 40 something years of being in this business. He said this, if you want to exchange information with another person, which I would submit to you is what selling is. He said two things, and he said this probably, I like that word, probably need to be true. Number one, the other party has to see, believe, believe that you're not biased. And so when I tell this story to salespeople, I say, now let me ask you this question. Last 30 people you called on, what percentage of those people, if you had to guess, would say you're biased? And then you wonder why they ain't buying. Because what happens is when they think you're biased, their sales resistance goes up immediately. Now, if you walk in and say, our product's not for everybody, our service is not for everybody, the real question is, does, does, our, serv- does our service or does our product make sense for you? That's what I'd like to find out. If it does, maybe there's something here. If it doesn't, it's great meeting you. The second thing he said was that the customer has to believe that you truly understand them. Now, most salespeople, in my experience, don't get to true understanding because they're so anxious for that person to shut up so they can start telling you how great their stuff is. And so I teach people things like, if I create a question, I'll always put behind it a parentheses that says, stop and listen. And then I'll put four or five dots and then I'll say, can you say more about that? These are things I call extenders. Now, you know, I learned a long time ago that the customer only reveals about 20% of what they're thinking. Okay. Well, if they're only revealing 20% of what you're thinking, I need, how am I going to get the other 18, 80%? Well, the only way I can do that is I got to pull it out of them by getting them to talk more. Can you say more about that? Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Help me understand how you came to that conclusion. I'm always seeking understanding. Now, once I can get to understanding, then I can say, look, let me make a case for our product based on what you've told me and then tell me whether this makes sense for you or not.
1: Jerry, I, all of that makes an enormous amount of sense to me. And the, the the thing that is staggering is how simple it is. And uh, you know, when we're working with salespeople and we're doing that evaluation or that coaching moment and we realize that they don't know how to ask those extenders great word, by the way um, it's, you know, I asked a question, You're in a coaching session with the rep and they say, no, I asked a question. You're like, yes, but you could have asked 30 more. They're like, well, yeah, but I already know what the answer is. And it's like, okay, you're rushing this thing. The prospect needs to trust you. And by asking the questions and seeking to understand, you build more of that trust. It's such a simple concept, but yet even veteran sellers forget it over a period of time. I find is, is that what you're finding as well in your work?
0: Yeah, but everybody's in too big a hurry to make a sale. The reality is, I mean, you know, one of the things Jeremy taught me, and 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 I, and I thank him for this, you know, and, and Chris Voss says this in his book, Never Split the Difference, which is also a terrific book. But, you know, he basically says the most powerful tool you have in selling is your voice. And what Jeremy teaches you is that you need to talk slowly. What happens to most salespeople, they talk too fast. Now, if you're talking too fast, the customer doesn't be, feel like they're being heard. Well if you if you don't feel like you're being heard, you're certainly not going to feel like you're understood. Now, you know, Jeremy also talks about using tonality, uh, which is was a sort of a revelation to me and and I've studied his stuff and and I think it makes an awful lot of sense. I mean, look, selling is in many ways an art and it's in many ways a science. Uh, but the reality is if you're going to get people to trust you, You have to talk the right way. You have to use the right words. You have to have the right mindset because the moment that they sense that you're in it for you is the moment that they create sales resistance and they will find a way to get out of talking to you. Um, If you go in and you let them know, I used to tell my customers all the time, I sell them now. I don't care if you buy from me or not. well, let me tell you why. I care about my reputation. And if I don't think I can help you, I'm not going to take the project. Uh, you know, our average client engagement is over four years and, you know, and I can tell you, having been in this business 20 years, I can trace 70% of my business today to two people.
1: From, first, from referrals, I'm assuming. Yeah,
0: exactly. So when, when I think about the people that they've introduced me to over the last 20 years, they're now my customers and they've moved on and then those people have moved on. And so, um... It, you know now also you know i've written three best-selling books on relationship building and i think relationship building is really really important but i think it's important to build a business relationship and not a social relationship and i'm not saying you can't build a social relationship because if you if you build a good business relationship it will turn social if it's supposed to turn social but you know the, the i want people to want to do business with me not want to have dinner with me. Uh, I mean, I don't mind going to dinner with anybody and it's certainly, you know, I love my, I love my customers, but you know, the, one of, one of the best customers I've ever had, uh, who's been a customer of mine now, I think for 19 consecutive years, uh, I think we might've been to, to, to dinner three times in 19 years. Right. We've never played golf together. We've never, you know, we don't drink together because I don't drink. I don't even know whether he does or not. And I right. mean, it's, it's not that kind of relationship. However, you know, it's it's very social in nature. It's just not one of those things where we rely on human contact um, to make our relationship valuable. We rely on the exchange of value. So I'm I'm exchanging my my company's value, the wisdom that we create to help him as a sales leader. You know, drive results and you know, he's providing me value because he's given me the opportunity to impact his sales organization in a meaningful way. And he's done that for 20 years, everywhere he's ever been.
1: Jerry, you know, you bring up some very good points. I wanted to make sure that we got some of your wisdom around um, for new sellers. So we have a whole new generation that are coming into, you know, realizing that they're in the sales business. Um, I work with lots of these folks on a daily basis. And what I find is, They probably are pretty good in, you know, on from a product knowledge standpoint, they're open to learning, but when it comes to that relationship component, they either believe that you got to be somebody's friend to sell, which you've just dispelled that myth that that's not the case. You need to have a business relationship. What I guess my point is, what would be some of your advice that you would give to, you you know, yourself back when you started selling in your twenties, if you could do it over again, I, I always like to ask that question to see, you know, what what would you do different or what advice would you give to yourself at 25 when you were starting out and selling?
0: Well, you know, we, one of the things when you've been around, you know, since Moby Dick was a minna, um, you know, you learn a lot of stuff. One of the things that I came to the conclusion a long time ago, which I wish I knew when I was, you know, early in my career, when you're actually in front of that customer, there's three things that really matter. It's probably four. One is how much did you plan? Because the vast majority of sales, do not happen because we don't plan well and planning is the most important thing that you can do. The second thing is what's your knowledge? Because nobody wants a relationship with an idiot. And so, you know, knowledge to me is the trump card. If you, if you don't have knowledge, knowledge of your, of your selling style, knowledge of your personality, knowledge of your customer, knowledge of your customer's business, knowledge of your customer's competitors, knowledge of the skills necessary in order to be effectively Uh, persuasive uh, uh, skills that actually make you a better listener skills that make you ask better questions. If you don't have all that knowledge, then the likelihood that you're going to be successful is dramatically diminished. Now, if you have that knowledge, then how you say what you say, which we call messaging really, really matters. So if I say to you, you know, uh, you know, how many times a month do you use a widget like this? That's a lousy question. Because the answer is going to be, it depends. Well, I mean, I got to ask another question. It Depends on what? Now, if I say, look, if you had to guess about how many widgets do you think you'd use in a three or four week period of time, they're going to give you an answer. That's all I care about is give me an answer. Give me some direction. And so words matter. I mean, that's actually what's on the back of my my business card. Words matter. And then the last thing is relationships. Now, the thing that's interesting about these three things and these four things, actually, they're all interdependent. And so my ability to build relationships, George, heavily related to my knowledge. Now, by the way, knowledge is a very interesting concept because the way most people perceive us in a selling situation as smart is when we ask them questions they never thought of. Wow, man, I never Mm -hmm. thought of it that way. See, it's not being able to do an encyclopedic uh, recitation of the products and the benefits and all that stuff. That's not what makes people think you're smart. What makes people think you're smart is when you make them think about things they haven't thought of in a way before. So knowledge is critical. If you message well because you have the knowledge, that you'll build a relationship because we want relationships with people who actually create value. And if you have the relationship, you get more knowledge.
1: Right. So it's, it's a circle. It's a circle. Exactly. It's a circle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jerry, you know, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show today. I knew we'd have some great discussion around this idea of, I I love the concept around sales resistance and, uh, and removing that resistance and being careful that you don't actually create more resistance in your interaction with the prospect. Here's the other thing that I love the title of your book, because I, I remember back to a time when I, I was selling for the longest time and then I actually became the buyer and I learned so much on the other side of the desk. And it wasn't, unfortunately, it wasn't about how to sell. It was actually about what I hated. If if I had one more sales rep that walked in that didn't deploy the right components. So your, your concept of stop acting like a seller and start thinking like a buyer, I I believe is a game changer from a salesperson's perspective to look at it as I'm sorry, did I give the buyer enough reasons to say yes?
0: Yeah. And Pink says in his book that the key to success in selling today, you're talking about today, is empathy. Well, what is empathy? Empathy is thinking like the other person. It's really trying to understand the other person. So I I think you're 100% right. The problem is we're in too much of a hurry to actually make a sale rather than to create a relationship. I tell my people, you know, what do I want? I want a customer. And if we have to lose money to get a customer, that doesn't bother me. Because I know this. If, if we do what we do well, which we do, these people are going to be a customer for a long time. I just want to find out that people that that we actually can help. And if we can help them, what you find is that they keep buying from you over and over and over again. Right. And so you get this growth that you never even contemplated because people are satisfied customers. They're loyal customers and they move. They go to another company and guess what they do? They bring you with them. And so now you got a whole other audience that you never had before because you did right by somebody in their last job.
1: Well, and when you ask a senior sales rep or a sales leader what their best lead source is, nine times out of ten, you're going to hear referrals if they've been doing it for a while and doing it well. Jerry Acuff, thanks for joining us. Um, The book is titled Stop Acting Like a Seller and Think Like a Buyer. And we really appreciate you bringing your wisdom to the broadcast today for our conquerors all over the world. And um, I definitely will see you when I see you, my friend. Appreciate your time.
0: Thank you, George.
1: What a great episode. Jerry, he's hilarious. Like I I could just spend hours talking to him about his experience and working with sales organizations. But let's get to some of the key takeaways. You know, that idea that we need to build that trust with the prospect. And what Jerry is teaching us is, you know, one of the most compelling ways to do that is to be ready to walk away. Um, To position it from day one with the prospect with that you're there to figure out whether this is a fit for them and you. Because that's where real partnerships are built. And you'll notice that he brings up that component of helping. We've been talking a lot about this over the years. There's all the old sales sayings of always be closing and using closing techniques. And what's your closing tactic? And what's your close percentage? And all of those items are important because you have to track them and you have to make sure that you're asking for the business and you have to structure a, you know, a commercial arrangement. But if you don't build that trust and what Jerry talks about, which is a very important component is this idea of sales resistance. And that is where the buyer, they have some predetermined sales resistance, but you as a seller might actually put, be putting more resistance into the deal by common mistakes not asking those extender questions. I love that term of an extender question. I was recently on a call with a seller, very good seller, where the prospect asked a question, they had a perfect opportunity to dig deeper and they just went to the answer, like immediately to the answer rather than asking that extender question or multiple extender questions. And when you do that, you're actually building a deeper relationship you are making sure that you're removing sales resistance and not adding more and you're positioning yourself as that trusted expert which we talk a lot about on this broadcast it's an exchange of information with the other person and you know that idea that do they believe that you're biased like do you have some level of bias of course you do you're the salesperson for an organization that's trying to sell something but if you come up with that compelling reason for them to say yes, that it solves their problem by clearly understanding what that problem is and asking questions and then positioning value where you're giving them information they didn't have. You're adding value to the conversation. That then removes the resistance, increases the level of trust. You understand the prospect better. And then Jerry talked a lot about, you know, he really... All of the business is coming from two deals that he did. You know, how many salespeople have you met over your time? You're talking to him. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm doing this deal. I'm working with this client. If this all comes true and we're really able to make this work, this is going to get me 20 other deals where they're, they're thinking about the fit with that customer and they see it as a longer play that if I get it right with this client, they're going to introduce me to 20 more. And I'm, so, you know, having that mindset of, this is a long lived relationship. This is, you know, we use the term partnership, sometimes lip service. It's a true partnership to the point where the customer says, I got to introduce you to other people that can't live without you and your solution. Jerry talked a lot about that and did it in a very entertaining way. And uh, we're really privileged to have him on the show and teaching us about these components around the messaging Having that level of confidence when you walk into the call that if it's not a fit, walk away. Do the right thing. Sell your solution to somebody that it really is a true fit for. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. And one of the other things that I haven't been doing, I'd love to get a review. If you love the podcast and wherever you may be listening, to it. Producer Colleen's done an amazing job. I think we're everywhere. Um, wherever you may be listening to it, take two seconds, leave us a review. If it's not five-star, reach out to me directly. Um, if we're not hitting the market, love to hear about it. But if we are, we'd really appreciate that input on the various channels of that five-star review. So thanks very much for joining us this week on the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast presented by Vendasta. Guest discovery and scheduling by Jacob Soley and Carissa Clausen. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Aaron Shawaga, Nicole Lozon, and Trent Walker. Produced by Colleen McGrath. Executive producers Brendan King and George Leith. Recorded and mixed at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.